Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Subscribe to At Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Right in your Glenn Mac now. Sunday on 94 WIP. Um, this week in Philadelphia Sports History brought to you by Shy Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or visit shybesports.com. Best caller of the day wins a $50 gift card to Shy Sports, which brings us to our moment. Ray, where were you 18 years ago this morning? <laughs> I think I know exactly where I was. I know where I was. I was actually kind of uh, covering it for WIP, uh, and it was the day they blew up the vet. And I was and, standing in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, and uh, what was then Comcast Sportsnet covered it live, our pal Michael Barkan on the air. And I'm going to play it. Uh, this is This is the final seconds, and you hear... The vets start to go down, and I'll tell you, I still, after all these years, find it like a really haunting, kind of scary, creepy sound as it happened. Um, so let, let's just, uh, let's play it. Here you go. People are five, to take one four, final look. three, two, fire, fire. Ray, it sounded like a train rumbling by as it kind of the um, the explosives detonated section by section. Right. And it just kind of slowly crumbles to the ground. Yeah. It um, did, it, if you remember, it actually didn't for a moment. Yes. Like, I all, do. like all the charges, all the charges went off one after another and they went in a circular way around the building and you saw all of it and then they stopped. And then nothing happened for a moment. Wait. And yeah. then you saw the built. Then you saw the vet shutter. Yeah. And then it all came down. Yeah. It was. It was. It was kind of fright. It was cool and frightening. And by the way, how about Mayor John Street screwing up the countdown? I know. <laughs> I know. What happened to one? Do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember who pushed the plunger? Uh, yes. It was the fanatic and Greg Luzinski. Correct. It was the yes. fanatic. Uh, fanatic and the bull pushed yeah, the plunger that blew it up. And and here's the thing that I it it is for me one of one of the most momentous times I was on WIP. So indulge me just for a, a personal story here for me. Sure. Um, the night before the vet was blown up, I was on the air. I was doing seven to eleven at night then. And I, Ray, I had always thought the vet was a dump. I always thought the city deserved better. It was a concrete donut. But I also understood what it meant to the people who had spent what thirty three years cheering there and. Mm-hmm booing and swearing and freezing in the seats so i did a tribute show the night before um 
you know, Wilbert Montgomery's run and Mitch Williams leap off the mound. And, and my lines were jammed and people wanted to share their stories. And I decided as I'm doing the show that we needed to say goodbye in person to, to toast it before moving on. So I just kind of impromptu asked a caller if he would join me at the vet when I got off at 11. And he agreed. And so did the next and the next. And people started calling the show saying, I'll bring down champagne and cigars and cheesesteaks, whatever made sense. Uh, and then I got a call from a Philly cop who said we could park around the corner and wouldn't be hassled. <laughs> I mean, it's like, hey, thanks. So when my shift ended, I headed down there. And, Ray, I thought I was going to find 30 fans. And there were 300 people. Yeah. Um, and the corner of Broad and Patterson was mobbed with folks who had listened to my show and wanted to hold that impromptu Irish wake for the joint the night before it went down. And they were from, you know, South Philly and Southampton and Camden and Conshohocken. And for an hour, you know, it's like from past midnight, we're toasting the vet and lighting cigars and somebody uh, started a, a newspaper fire in a trash can, you know, to keep it warm. It was cold. And the cops were great about it. And we raised glasses of whatever booze people had to Buddy Ryan and Tug McGraw. And I remember there was a big one to Wendell Davis's knees. <laughs> and we toasted till there was nothing left to toast. And we sang, right? Fly, Eagles, fly, at least a dozen times. And for one last time, the vet was this magnet that drew people from all parts of town, you know, every race, all kinds of education, every background, which is really what you and I have always talked about, to me, is the great part of sports. That, that, that's the magic of sports right there. Is it unites people. Right. And we hugged, and we went home, and the next morning I went up, and, and everybody watched as they blew up the place. And it was, for me, it was one of those nights where I just really appreciate fans. Uh, and I've said this to you before, and I've said this, but it really is kind of my thoughts on this. Athletes come and go. Even the biggest stars. They're, they're mostly here for a while, and then they leave. Claude Giroux. Coaches get fired. Owners sell to the next rich guy. But the fans are forever. The fans are the lifers. And for me, that night with the vet was was that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's my recollection. No, that's great. That's great. And it, it was a great idea on your part. It, and it doesn't surprise me at all that you had that many people turn out. I mean, I because, stunned. yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't, you know, I mean, it's a great idea. But, it, you know, the, the idea that I'm sure... That's that's exactly what I've expected, I, and I don't know if it would have been true in any other town, but it was certainly it certainly works in Philadelphia. And yeah, um, even I have though, a question for you. Yeah. So again, I moved here in the in nineteen end of nineteen eighty six, um, and I thought the vet was was a dump. I oh, I didn't ooh. like it for baseball. I didn't like it for football. It's like this is you know, and I knew this is what they had in Cincinnati, St. Louis, and so I I've been to those round concrete stadium yeah, it was never it was never good for baseball but i was amazed at how people here loved it and obviously they didn't love the stadium they loved their experiences at the stadium. exactly right but when it was built 1971 right young mm -hmm. ray didinger goes to the vet for the first time gleaming sparkling mm -hmm. that astroturf spotless mm -hmm. well well yeah Initially, I got to assume, right? Well, it was it was spotless, but it had a lot of holes and oh. and a lot of ripples in it. Oh, even at the start. Okay, what did you think? What did people think when it first came out? Was it like this miracle future? This is what it's going to be? Yes, yeah. yes. It's it's hard. It's hard when you're talking about going back fifty years in time. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But that that multi-purpose stadium was viewed as 
as the wave of the future, that soon every city would have one of these. Uh, and it would be a, it would be serviceable for both football and baseball, and you would have artificial turf, so you'd be able to save a lot of money. You could lay down one surface, and both teams could play on it. Um, then it was th- considered to be architecturally groundbreaking, and yeah, it was it, it was embraced by Philadelphia because listen, our, the Phillies and the Eagles were both coming from. You know, the, the Phillies were coming from Connie Mack Stadium, which was really falling apart at that point, uh, and was in an area up in North Philadelphia that was just—it was just hard to get up there. There was no parking, and it was—I um, mean, they, they just had to get out of there. There was no doubt. I loved the place. Give me and, a dollar, I'll wash your car. Yeah, I, I loved the place, and it was it, there was there was an intimacy to it because where, wherever you sat, you felt you were close to the action. But um, but it was a, it was an old stadium, though certainly showing its age. And the Eagles were coming from Franklin Field which was a college stadium with wonderful history, and I love Franklin Field. I love it to this day. But, you know, the, the locker rooms weren't adequate. And um, when we walked into the vet the first time, and I remember when they opened when they walked us into the Eagles, opened the door to the Eagles locker room, and we walked in, it was, oh, my God, I can't believe this. You know, it, 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 the locker room just seemed to go forever. You know, and the training room looked like the, yeah, you know, it looked like um, – the Mayo Clinic. I mean, compared to what they had, compared to what they had had at, at Franklin Field, so it, it it was it was viewed at the time as as a quantum leap into the future and a huge improvement over what we had. Now, by the time you got to town, that um, had certainly begun to show its age, and the and the problems with astroturf were, at that point were well known. You know, we we had seen the injuries and we had seen what had happened there, so everybody had become aware of okay, well, this astroturf thing isn't quite. It's not quite working out the way we thought it was going to work out. So all the warts and all the problems were certainly in evidence by then. But the memories of the place are the memories of the place. And, right. and, and what you said about, you know, the, the stars, even the great players come and go, and the coaches come and go, and even the owners come and go, but the fans never come and go. And, and they truly are the heart and soul of, 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 of the franchises. And, um, and people, that's what people identified with, with the vet. And... Um, you know, when I went down there that one time, when I was working for NFL Films, Steve Sable asked me to produce a show called Six Days to Sunday. So I actually got to live with the Eagles and the coaching staff for one week while they prepared for a game. Mm-hmm. So I actually got the coach and player experience for a week. Uh, and this was year two of Andy Reid. So this was 2000. Uh, and that time, that week to me was an eye-opener because I, I became – it was the first time I really became aware – of how inadequate, how inadequate the Eagles facilities were compared to what I had seen in other cities around the league. You know, the coaches' offices were real cramped and, and dreary. There were no windows. The, the audiovisual component, the film component, the, uh, that was way behind the other teams. Um, it was the, the locker room, the training room, which were sort of groundbreaking in the 70s, were certainly no longer that by 2000. Um, I, uh, once after at the, at the end of that week, after having been with the coaches and having lived the life for just one week, I became, I, I understood why Jeff Lurie and Joe Banner were so determined to get their own place. They really needed it because by then it had been so far surpassed by the other teams that in terms of facilities and what you could offer to free agents to come to play for you, they just were no longer competitive. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'm glad we covered that. Let's get some calls in here. Bob and Del Rand joins us. Hello, Bob. <laughs> Hey, guys, I talked to you yesterday, and I'm going to continue my point um, about I, – I, I don't want Zach Pascal. That's like the pathway to mediocrity. I mean, I need something that can – Didn't we talk him. about this? Didn't we talk yeah, about yeah, this yesterday? Yeah, but, yes, but 
here, here's my additional point. There's an additional, per, additional two things. Eagles freed up, I think, approximately, and correct me if I'm wrong, between 15 to $16 million in the cap, I think, Slay and, and with the Fletcher Cox. Yeah, they just redid Slay yesterday. Situation. Yeah. Now, here's the guy I want to go for, and, and I don't want to get Mr. Mediocrity. I want to get Cole Beasley. He's, he, oh, he, God, no. Oh, no, why not? No, no, why I would not? Ta- no, I would take Pascal over Beasley in a second. Oh, God, no. Oh, God. Hey, Bob, I, I don't mean to be rude to you, but I really still like to adhere to the call us once a week thing. I know a lot of the shows don't, but I always thought that was a great policy. So we were delighted to talk to you yesterday. We'll be delighted to talk to you next week, once a week on our show. Uh, Ray, Cole Beasley, I'm, I'm not interested. No, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, you're talking about a similar kind of guy. You're talking about a slot receiver, which is what Pascal is, and it's certainly what Beasley is, and always has been. And he's been really good. I mean, for a long period of time. I mean, he's kind of what you're looking for in there. But I think, geez, he's. I mean, he's up in years now. I don't think he has nearly. I don't think he has a whole lot left. Um, and Pascal is a similar kind of player, younger and bigger. Uh, I, I know this guy called yesterday and was talking about. It. He was really. He didn't like the idea of Zach Pascal, and he plays in Indianapolis. He's a free agent now. There's been a lot of chatter that. Nick Sirianni, having coached him in Indianapolis, would be interested in bringing him to Philadelphia. I actually don't think it would be a bad idea. He's bounced around the league, but he found a home plan for Sirianni in Indianapolis. And if you look at his tape, it's not bad. For a slot receiver, a guy that's got some size and some versatility, I don't think he'd be a bad pick. I Obviously, Bob has issues with it, but I don't. Yeah, I'm not opposed to it on its face. It's just that when we went over the list of all the wide receivers who have switched teams, Pascal doesn't probably crack the top ten. No, 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 no. Uh, so I'm, at this point, sure, but you know, they I thought they needed a more serious upgrade. Yeah, the one guy the one guy that was sort of a free agent slot receiver that interested me was Braxton Barrios, the kid from the Jets. Um because he was he's a really good slot receiver, young, really developing. You can kind of see it coming with him. Uh and he's also a, a excellent kick returner. So I mean he he gave you a lot of value in a well, lot of different. They didn't have areas. that last year. That's for no, sure. and I, I really liked a lot about him. But I just had a feeling that I said the Jets aren't going to let him go. They got the money. They're going to keep him, and they did. Yeah, and and just one more time, I respect and appreciate all our callers. I really do, and I know we we make you hold for a while because uh, Ray and I have a lot of stuff we want to cover. But once a week, once once per show, or you know once once per week for us is pretty much what we're looking to do. Uh, Harvey and Summerton, you're on with Ray and Glenn. Hey, Harvey. I like that rule, Glenn. Uh, Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I uh, uh, Ray first. Ray, I'd like to congratulate you uh, on your award. Oh, well thank you. Deserved. Thank you, Harv. Uh, yeah, uh, I wanted to talk about NFL football, but first, you're talking about WIP, and my father uh, told me that uh, if you went downtown, this was like. Uh, I guess uh, during the 30s, and you went to past Gimbel's, uh, yeah. John Cassenda would be broadcasting in the window of Gimbel's. I found a, a picture of that, yes. the, the yeah. student, And this is even when it started in 1922. Right. It was, and, Ray, they broadcast live from Gimbel's, and, and what, you, yeah. you could walk by and, and see whoever. I don't know if it was John Cassenda or whoever it was. You could walk by and see him broadcasting. <laughs> that's, and the reason, that's pretty cool. The reason was because a lot of the radio stations were started by the department stores, and Gimbel's started WIP. So radios. Yeah. Now, uh, I wanted to talk about the uh, – you got a lot of movement of quarterbacks. Uh, uh, you know, you got uh, mm-hmm. Trubinsky going to Pittsburgh. You got Mayfield wanted to go here. They talk about Matt Ryan going there. 
uh, and my concern is that uh, most of these quarterbacks don't have a long shelf life as far as starters. And I'm just wondering, how will that affect the Eagles draft next year if they're looking for a quarterback in the draft? Um, Ray? Well, uh, and you mentioned some guys' quarterbacks that are on the move. Uh, I think you could probably add to that list Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's right. I think he's going to be moving too. Um, I don't know. I mean, the the whole landscape is, will be different a year from now. I mean, who would have foreseen a lot of the stuff we've seen this year? Uh, situations just develop. You know, um, you know, Tom Brady might retire and unretire again. You know, things things in in, in a year's time things change a lot. Um, to me, I think that the one. The one thing I think you can count on in next year, uh, if you're thinking in terms of the Eagles maybe being in position to draft a quarterback next year, if you don't think things work out with Jalen Hurts, I mean Bryce Young is is the guy. I mean at, at Alabama, I think he will. It would sh- right now, if you were to ask me who I think is going to be the first pick in next year's draft, it would probably be him at the quarterback position. Um, if you're lucky enough to get him, I think you get him. To me, he looks like he's the guy that's got the ability to be a franchise quarterback. But a year from now. I don't know. I, it's going to be it, things are going to be so different. I mean, who knows if Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing? I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that can change in a year's time. We if if, there, if we've learned one thing about football over the years, it's that that from one year to the next, things change dramatically. Yeah. Yep. Let me stink Bryant in West Philly up here before the break. Let's talk about Jordan Davis. We all love him, Bryant. Yeah, 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 yeah. How you doing, Glenn? You know, right. you know how you doing, right? Yeah, I just seen. You know, I was on the internet and I seen a guy uh, speaking about Jordan Davis, and he said Jordan Davis came in for an interview with the Eagles. Now, if I, I was listening to you and Glenn talking, and if he moves to 10, Glenn, I mean, Ray, I'm moving up. There's no question I'm moving up. Because I'm going to tell you the signals, okay? Fletcher Cox got restructured to a one-year deal, okay? Mm-hmm. And now, by he being reconstructing, you know, by the Eagles reconstructing his contract, I think that they might be going out. He might be your target because in, in the draft. I think they may be, have strong interest. That's I've been hearing that they've been strong interest in them, uh, Georgia uh, defense alignment. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they're thinking. I really don't know what they're thinking. But I, I'm, I've watched the guy play all year. I, th- I think he's a, a difference-making player. And I'm projecting him with the Eagles. If you put him at tackle next to Hargrave, what's it? What's an offense going to do? Who are you going to double? Exactly. Are you are you are you going to double Davis? You probably kind of have to. But then you're singling up Hargrave, and he's going to be a playmaker. If you're going to double on Hargrave because he's the veteran, then you're going to block Davis one on one. Good luck. Uh, okay. And and that's you know I think they've already got they've already got one guy who can give them edge rush and that's and that's obviously Reddick. Um, Brandon Graham's coming back that'll make you stronger on the other side. Uh, they still probably need another pass rusher. I agree with all that. But if you have the opportunity to get a guy that's a, that's a huge difference maker in the middle, uh, a guy that's going to collapse the pocket, a young guy that's got that kind of future, man, to me he's a top ten pick. And if you're the Eagles, that's a guy I would certainly be thinking about. I'm in. Two on five, five nine two ninety four ninety four. Your calls come up, and Ray and I review the big HBO sensation uh, winning time. I guess they couldn't call it Showtime. No, I, no, I think that's embargoed. You're not going to name. You're not going to name the the uh, series after one of your competitors, right? That's what it was. So, winning time. The uh, docudrama series about the L.A. Lakers back in the day. Ray, and I'll talk about that next. 
on 94 WIP. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? It's time for What We're Watching. I'm no slouch myself. <laughs> it's in the hole. The best in current movies and TV. I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. With Glenn and Ray. Say my name, Eisenberg. You're goddamn right. All right. Well, we're watching sponsored by Guided Door and Window by Any Window or Door. Get the second 50% off plus interest refinancing for up to 18 months. Call Guided Door and Window today at 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit com. All right, Ray. Big sensation. Everybody watching HBO's Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Uh, I don't know how many parts it is. Eight, eight, nine ten. part. Ten. ten. Yep, ten. ten parts. Ten episodes. Well, I've only seen the first two. In fact, I checked last night and have not yet dropped episode three. Uh, I'm just going to say a couple words. I'm going to turn it over to you, and then I, I figure I'll come back. I, I find it I find it highly entertaining, occasionally comedic, fast-paced. A little too cute for its own good, certainly. Um, you know, the characters trying to break the fourth wall and and all that. Uh, and I think they, I think, it is a historical piece that probably doesn't give a hoot about 
accurately reflecting hi- uh, history. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about, just to tell people, it's about the L.A. Lakers in the Showtime era starting in 1979 uh, when the Lakers are going to be sold to Jerry Buss and draft Magic Johnson with the first pick and goes from there. I'll turn it over to you for some of your pithy thoughts. Yeah, um, I I don't like it. I, I, I really don't. Uh, I, I warned you. Yeah, part of and I and I feel bad. I, I feel bad doing this because you know Adam McKay, who wrote it and directed it, is a local guy. I mean, he uh, he wasn't born here, but he kind of grew up here out in Malvern, and he went to Penn State, and he went to he went to my alma mater at Temple. Um, so he's got some local roots, and I but I there I just. I just don't like his style of filmmaking. I mean, I've seen his other films. Um, I saw Vice, the story of, of uh, Dick Cheney. Uh, I saw The Big Short. Uh, I haven't seen Don't Look Up, which is actually nominated for an Academy Award. Um, but he has this device, and you mentioned it, um, where, the, where the characters turn and address the audience. Uh, it's called Breaking the Fourth Wall. Uh, and sometimes it works, but... It works. It works better on stage than it does on film. Is the best way of putting it. Uh, and, and when I when I see it on film, I, I find it very distracting. I really do. And I, I thought he he used it a lot in Vice, the Dick Cheney movie. Characters were always like turning to the camera and talking, and it was just I I I, I just don't like it. And they, they they do it a lot in this. And I knew as an Adam McKay project that they would. And I I just find it really distracting. Um, and look, I was around that Lakers team a lot because they, you know, they were in the they and the Sixers played for the championship a whole lot during that era. So I was around all those guys. I was around Jerry Buss. I was around Jerry West. I, I was, uh, you know, I was around Pat Riley and all and all of those guys. Uh, and I, I just find the casting very problematic. I mean, John C. Riley is a good co- is is a good actor, um, but I don't see him as Jerry Buss. You know, <laughs> you, you put him in Talladega. See, I night. don't know Jerry Buss. I've never met Jerry Buss. Yeah. So I can't reflect on that. I, the and I don't even mean to stop you here. I, I I find him very fun and he's the best part of the thing to me to be honest with you. But it's because I don't know what Jerry Buss was. Yeah. I mean I know who he was, but I never I never saw him. I don't know how inaccurate it is. Yeah, I guess the fact that I was kind of around it and I was kind of around those people makes me I find the casting very problematic. Um I mean they make Jerry they make John they make Jerry Buss seem like a clown. Uh, oh, I, I see, and I, I have a bigger problem with how they portray somebody else. Well, Jerry West. Yes. Yeah. Jerry West is in this thing. This nasty, depressive, alcoholic, uh, just miserable, s profane sob, completely temperamentally unsuited to do anything. Right. Uh, and and um. It may be the truth. By the way, Jeff Perlman wrote this. We had Jeff Perlman as a guest on the show, I think, with his USFL book. Maybe. Yeah, and his USFL book, which is called uh, Football for a Buck, is, yeah. is very good. I, re- yeah. I highly recommend it. It's a great book about the USFL. Right. So he wrote the book on which this is based, which was called Showtime. And I, I'm I'm guessing that it's accurate that Jerry West didn't want him to draft Magic Johnson because he thought he was too tall to be the guy who brought the ball up the court. Um, and that's all fine and well, but that doesn't mean that Jerry West was just this, you know, horrible, nasty guy who literally in episode two curls up in the corner in his underwear, unable to function. Right. I imagine he's not happy. They portray Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as just a first-class jerk. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I, again, I never met Jabbar. He, he, he may well be, but geez, I mean, little, little texture here. Yeah. Uh, and you got, you know, Adrian Brody and Pat Riley. I mean, <laughs> Adrian Brody is Pat Riley. Really? Well, I, I, I haven't I, seen that. Have you, I haven't seen him yet. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just, um, they got some good, by the way, Sally Field, Michael Chiklis, they do have some good names in here. How would you like to be Sally Field at this point in your career where you're playing John C. Riley's mother? Mother. <laughs> hey, you know, you're working, man. You're working. But I will say this. I think one of the things that does do well uh, is, is it kind of captures the vibe of the 80s. You know, that uh, kind of the sex and sizzle and the bad yeah. clothes and all of that kind of stuff. A lot of that. You like um, the, the grainy way they do No. It? I guess it's... You, okay. No, I, I don't. I don't, because they, the, they cut in and out of that, uh, you know, that eight millimeter f- film stock. Right. Uh, and they go from that to live action and back to the... And I find it... This, it looks like an editing mistake. I, I, know, it's, I know it's a device... Yeah. that they're trying to use, but to me it doesn't work. To me, it's very oh, jarring. Jumpy I find, handheld cameras. I find, all it, I find it very jarring. Yeah, it's very. It's it's a little. It's trying way too hard for that. I think. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you know what? One of my other thing problems is there. There are these monologues that Adam McKay has written, uh, and some and some of them are just so overwrought. You know, oh, the John C. Riley comparing basketball to sex. Yeah, if there's scene, if there's lying two in bed th- with that big-breasted naked woman. Right. If there's two things that I didn't hear be- any of the words. If, just- if there's two things that make me believe in God, it's sex and basketball. I I think that. Come on. I mean, really. I mean, I mean, you know, you know what I think he's trying to do here, McKay. I think he's trying to be Ron Shelton. I mean, he's he's trying to come uh, up with those lines that Shelton wrote. You know, for Kevin Costner in Bull Durham. Yeah. I mean, he's he's trying to go for that kind of thing, but it's not nearly as good. Yeah, I will say this, and I agree with everything you said, and I think that it is probably it it is a rather vicious attack on on a lot of those people, and I don't really trust the accuracy of it with Jerry West and with Jerry Buss and so on. But Ray, it is highly entertaining. It's popcorn, um, is what it is. It's you know, it we, we you and I talk about popcorn movies. It's it's you can just sit there and let it wash over you, and it's kind of fun. There is such a thing as a popcorn movie, and I enjoy them as much as the next guy. I think I'm probably a little too close to this story mm-hmm. to enjoy it at the same level that you would. Um, but listen, people are watching it. The ratings yeah. are good, and and most of the critics, uh, and I and I read a lot of the reviews of the critics, critics like it. You know, like movie critics, TV critics, entertainment critics, they like it. Um, you know, I mean, the, 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 so much of the gratuitous stuff, the profanity, the nudity, all that kind of stuff, I guess that plays. Um, to me, it's, it's just not a very good representation. I will say, I, you said you thought that, that Riley is the best thing, uh, and I think Riley is, is good as Riley. I don't know that he's good as Buss. I think a Quincy Isaiah, the young actor who I had never yeah, seen before. Never saw him before. Who plays who plays Magic Johnson. I think he's the best thing. I he's think good. he's pretty good. He's got the smile and the personality. Yeah, he's, he's, he, he gets it. One other thing I discovered, because I was looking at the cast, and, and I always find this cool, uh, the character of Norm Nixon. And there's a good scene early in it where the Lakers are going to draft Magic Johnson, and he goes to a party. Bus brings him to a party out in Hollywood, and there's a basketball court there. I guess it's Donald Sterling's house is where it is. Mm-hmm. And Norm Nixon gets Magic Johnson on the court and just abuses him and schools him. I thought that was that was a good scene, uh, and maybe accurate. I don't know, but I looked it up afterward, and Norm Nixon in the movie is played by the actual Norm Nixon's it's son. Norm Nixon's son. Yeah, I yeah. didn't. I did not know that till I read about it. Right. Yeah. Cool. It is cool. Anyway. All right. So I give this a yes with reservations. I'm not going to tell you that it's accurate or even good, but. It's kind of fun, and I'm going to, 
and I'm going to watch it. All right, I'm thumbs down. You're out. Are you out after two episodes? Yeah, I pretty much am. Okay, I may one, if I stumble upon it one night and I have anything better to do, I might watch it a little bit more. But I'm not rushing back to see it. Uh, one other thing I know you wanted to bring up is a rather distinguished actor passed away this week. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite actors, William Hurt, passed away uh, tragically at a young age. He's only 71, died of prostate cancer. Um, and I think he's, I, I just found him a very arresting actor. I just found him very interesting on camera. He's one of those kinds of guys that when he's on the screen, you kind of can't take your eyes off him. Uh, Oscar winner for uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman, in which he was great. Um, he did, he did Hamlet on stage. I mean, he's a very versatile actor and he's done nominated for four Academy Awards. Uh, I remember him obviously from the movie Body Heat where he was on Great movie. Oh man. I don't know how many people have seen that movie. I mean, it's more than, it's whatever, 40 years old or so. It's 40 years old now. Yeah. But oh, young Kathleen Turner when she was smoke. Yeah. She was, she was as hot as it gets and he, and and he kind of, and he kind of plays this dimwitted attorney that she kind of manipulates into killing her husband and yeah it's really it's really a good movie and then broadcast news which i think probably more people saw where he plays sort of this vacant um on camera tv anchor man that just uh, reads off the teleprompter but he's got the look and he's got the voice and he becomes a superstar uh but is never real comfortable with his stardom i think he really captured that part very well in a really good film but to show you what a good actor he is a movie that you and i both liked which was history of violence uh, he plays the brother of Viggo Mortensen. Uh, he got nominated for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor when he really had one scene. You know, the, the he, was scene, the, he was on the screen for 10 minutes. Yeah, the scene when Viggo Mortensen comes to see him back in Philadelphia, interestingly enough, and he's the mobster brother. Uh, he, he's on the screen. You, you said it, 10 minutes. 10 minutes of airtime, 10 minutes of screen time, and it was so good and so powerful that he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I don't, think I, anybody's, I don't think anybody's ever been nominated for an Academy Award with less screen time than William Hurt was, but he had that ability. So I was real sorry to see that he had passed at age 71. Can I just tell you, I thought he was terrible in that movie. Oh, I thought And I know really he was good. nominated, and I liked that movie. When uh, George Anastasia and I wrote the Ultimate Book of Gangster Movies, we ranked that movie very high. I just thought he chewed the scenery in that movie. Oh, he did. He did, but, well, it was, but, yeah. it was, but it was written that way. <laughs> well, I know, but I, I thought it was, I, I thought he was terrible. But, but I, he was a great actor. By the way, Big Chill, he was, uh, he was very good in that too. Uh, Again, he always he played the same kind of guy. He played yeah. the guy that you know, very handsome. You know, the women all liked him, but you know, it was not the brightest guy in the world. He he played that role very well. Yeah, yeah, he he was all that. All right, let's talk to Adam, Aaron, excuse me, in Norristown. Hello, Aaron. Yeah, good. How are you guys doing this morning? All right. Good. Good. Hey, first of all, I want to talk about Claude Giroux and then also a little bit about the Eagles. Um, you had talked to an earlier caller about that he had some moments. I mean, I'm just, you know, he had a nice career here, but he had two careers here. He had a career pre-captain and post-captain. And, you know, that's, I'll never forget that series against the Penguins when we were pretty much equal with them, went to six games, and he was invisible. He had a chance there in 2020 against the Canadians and the Islanders. I mean, in, in that series, and then in the series against the Capitals in 2016 as captain, I, as a Flyers fan, fears I'm used to deep runs that are, you know, that are spearheaded by the captains like Primo, like Richards, like Poulin, you know, you know, even go back to Clark, obviously, you know, and mm-hmm. he just turtled up in, in playoff series when he was captain, and that's and and they can only get what they got for him because he's 34 and he's not a top 100 player in the league anymore, scoring wise. Um. Okay. 
Uh, I, I think, I, I, Aaron, I think you're being a little hard on him. I mean, no, to, he's to, factual, right? I mean, the stats I gave were factual. He, he is, he is 100th in the NHL in scoring. Well, he's also, he's, yeah, but, he's also got nobody to play with. Yeah, you're, exactly. I mean, you're comparing but, what what the cap, what the captain did in other playoff runs with you know, those other guys played with much better teams than he did. No, no, no. He they finished two points behind the Penguins. He they went into that series with a goalie who had won nine of his last ten, and Brian Elliott. They in their last game, game six at home. They were up seven to four. He was a minor. You're making two different arguments. You're making the argument that he hasn't played well in the playoffs, and I'm agreeing with you. And you're making the argument that he stinks now. He's and and no, I don't Ray think he stinks now. He's just at the end of a good career. I don't think well, he stinks now. Oh, okay, I think he may have more than you. Maybe, but okay, we'll see. Well, okay, if I can make my second point, right? I wanted to ask you a question about a couple of free agents that are still available um, that I think could help the Eagles, and uh, and then one last point. But what do you think of uh, J. Ron Curse? Uh, as as a potential free agent or Terrell Edmonds to help our safety position, which could be better than anybody that might be available at our point in the draft. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with you there. Um, I think they still they brought back they're bringing back Victor Harris, uh, who played here last year. I, you know, if they if they had let him walk, it wouldn't have broken my heart. Yeah, um, it, that sort of tells me that they might be not be bringing back McLeod. I, I kind of thought they would bring back one of them. Um, but yeah, I mean Edmonds, you know, Edmonds is a good player. Uh, I, I just don't know. It might be, you know, there might be a more. It might be a money situation. I mean, he might be he might be shopping for more money than they're prepared to offer. I definitely thought they needed an upgrade at the safety position. I was a little I was a little surprised that they brought back Harris. But the guys that you mentioned, I think, yeah, would they have been upgrades? I agree with you. I think they would. Can I hold on to my Tyron Matthew dream at least uh, for now? Sure, go right ahead. I mean, would you? He's thirty, right? The other guys you're mentioning, uh, Edmonds is twenty five, right? So right. who's the other guy you mentioned? Um. I'm trying to remember who was who was the other guy you mentioned. I mean, say Ronnie Harrison, maybe. I'm not sure who he said. But anyway, Tyron Matthews is 30, but he's, as we say, he's a guy who makes plays, which they don't have. Yeah, and he's uh, he's a dynamic kind of player. Oh, yes. Javon, uh, Jerron Curse. Okay. Jerron Curse, for, who, right. who played, for, played for Dallas. Dallas yeah. Right, yeah, and, and a good player. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like Edmonds. At 25, I think he's just going to continue to get better. Um, listen, Honey Badger is... Um, I had my doubts about him coming out of college because he comes with a certain amount of baggage, but there's no question he could play. Uh, and he was a huge difference maker with Chiefs. I mean, when he went to the Chiefs, he was kind of the leader and the rallying point on that defense. And he can still do that for you. Uh, and even at 30, I think he can still play. It looks like he's still got some game left. I just think it's a, I just think it's a money thing with him. I think he's looking for more money than the Eagles are in a position we'll to offer. Yeah, but if, if listen, if, if they were to bring if they were to bring him in, yeah, I, I'm I'm on board. Hey Ray, before we go to break, but uh, at noon, uh, Todd Zalecki is going to join us from MLB.com. We have got to talk some Phillies with their dynamic new lineup. Uh, but before we go to break, Ray, let's say I want to go to theater sometime next month, and I really don't want to go up all the way to New York. You got any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, you don't have to go all the way to New York. All you, you just have to go as far as New Hope, lovely New Hope, that beautiful arts community, which is always lovely in the month of April. Um, we are bringing Tommy and me back uh, for a sixth year, uh, and this and this time we are going to the uh, Bucks County Playhouse in uh, in New Hope, and uh, we're going to be opening on April the seventh, and we're going to be playing through Easter Sunday on the seventeenth. Ten performances uh, at the at the really beautiful Bucks County Playhouse, a place with a lot of history, and sits right there on the Delaware River. Just a beautiful place, and I'm excited as can be to bring Tommy's story to. The same stage where Grace Kelly has performed and George C. Scott and Robert Redford. I mean, some great Eli Wallach. I mean, some great people have performed on that stage. And we get to bring Tommy and me there uh, next month. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, April 7th through the 17th, 
Um, go online to Bucks County Playhouse, order your tickets now. We've got a great group of talkback hosts that are going to do the Q&As after the show. You are doing the first Saturday night. Yeah, I think it's looking forward to that. April the 9th, you'll be there doing the, the 8 o'clock show. So, uh, and Harold Carmichael is helping us open the show on April 7th, Sweet. opening night. Yeah, the talkback host that night will be none other than um, the guy who uh, broke most of Tommy McDonald's receiving records with the Eagles and is now himself a Pro Football Hall of Famer. He will be there on opening night, Thursday, April the 7th. So April the 7th through the 17th, Bucks County Playhouse, Tommy and me, please come out and see us. Very nice. 215-592-9494. Best caller of the day gets a $50 gift card to Shibe Sports at noon. Todd Zalecki will talk some baseball. Ray and Glenn on 94 WIP. Ray Danger, Glenn Mack now 94 WIP. Uh, Kevin in South Jersey joins us. Hello, Kevin. Hey. How you doing, Glenn? How you doing, Ray? Hello, Kevin. Hey, um, uh, hey I'm the guy that uh, did that picture of uh, Roy uh, Diedinger oh. two weeks ago. <laughs> Oh yeah, somebody, a couple people sent that to me. I sent it to you. Oh, and and some other people did too. Okay, it, 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 yes. it, 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 it got fairly wide distribution. I thought it was hysterical, and uh, Ray apparently it was. There were mixed reviews in your house. Uh, yeah, my wife was not thrilled with it. Yeah, that was the thing I wanted to, you know, apologize in that sense. No, 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 apo- was- <laughs> no, no, no apologies necessary. I was actually kind of flattered that uh, uh-huh. that somebody that somebody kind of brought uh, brought Roy to life. <laughs> I mean, it was uh, he was a little grotesque, but um, I mean that sort of suits the personality. I th- oh, yeah. I actually thought it was kind of a fit, Kevin. It was just my wife. I think my wife just has this awful vision of maybe waking up one morning and actually finding Roy on the pillow <laughs> next to her. looking over. So, for well, people who don't know, let me just let me just uh, give the background. I think ninety percent of our audience probably gets it. Every once in a while, and it's not often, a caller will get under Ray's skin, or something locally will get Ray angry. And this different personality comes out. It's a very quiet, smoldering anger. And I, I years ago started to refer it, referring to it as your evil twin, Roy Didinger. And Kevin did artwork. Kevin, if you send it to me again, I'll, I'll post it again. Because okay. I'm sorry, maybe Maria doesn't want me to. I even did a. But but it was it's like a it's like a Delco version of of Ray. Well, you are Delco. Mm-hmm. With like the earring and a little tattoo, and then go, go ahead, Kevin. I'd rather you explain it. No, I was going to say I did a uh, updated version from the initial one oh. that Dave sent you, where I added uh, sunglasses and the uh, neck tattoo. <laughs> I think I think Dave might have sent that one to you, but uh, oh, I think yeah, we need you know, <laughs> I think I, I think you need to send it to me again. I think you're yeah. hey, you're a terrific artist, by the way. That you really no, did we, a nice job of. We, it. We've we've met before, you know. I'm I'm the guy that you know did all those Eagles cartoons and the. Um, oh yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah! I yeah. didn't catch the name. You are a very talented man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've met a few times. So mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it was just like one of those things where, you know, I have the app while I'm just watching the Sixers game and I mess around and do stuff like that just for fun. I mean, no, you're very good, Ray. Would yeah. you uh, would you perhaps like to make a larger version so you can frame it and hang it at home? Uh, no, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> But I, I, I definitely saw it's sort of like the Ray Diddy thing, you know. When they, when, uh-huh. when, when, they, when they first hung me with the Ray Diddy thing, when the emailer, when the uh, emailer called into the uh, Eagles post game show and referred to me mm-hmm. as Ray Diddy, and um, and Michael Barkan read it, and Vaughn Hebron thought it was the funniest thing ever, as did the governor actually. And I, I all of a sudden, I kind of became Ray Diddy. And initially, yeah. I wasn't crazy about it, but. I saw the uh, I saw the humor in it. I saw what they were going for. Similar with your picture, I get, I kind of get what you're going for, and I kind of get a laugh out of it. 
Hey, Glenn, well, you have a screenplay you can do with that. You know, it's like a juggle oh, yeah. and high oh, thing. Yeah. Listen, Ray is you big know? enough that he understands <laughs> that, you know, every once in a while. Yeah, okay. yeah he accidentally uh, reaches for his uh, diet soda, but accidentally grabs your IPA. Oh, yeah. And, you know, well, no, this Ray, this, this, Roy didn't draw him imagining drinks rot gut. That would be my, <laughs> that would be my, that would be my thought. Kevin, it's great stuff. Send me another copy, would you? Yeah, definitely. All right, okay. thanks. Nice work. I love yeah, I go, think. Ray. Yeah, I think Roy is probably out there riding through Center City on an all-terrain vehicle right now, up on the back wheels and just terrorizing the neighbors. That's kind of how I see him. The neck tattoo. Oh, yeah. The neck tattoo. I thought was a really lovely touch. Was- <laughs> yeah, you're good about it. You, you are very good about it. Uh, let's Listen, get if, I can Don- do, if I can do one thing, I can laugh yeah, at myself. On. If I can yes, do one you, thing, I can laugh at myself. You absolutely. You and it's one of the reasons I think you have sustained so well in the market uh, and people regard you in such high esteem, which is you can, you, you gotta, you're, you're not high and mighty. No. And that's, and I, and I think we all appreciate that. Uh, Don and Franconi wants to talk some Phillies. Let's do it, Don. Hey, good afternoon or good morning, whichever it is. Hi Don. Yeah. Uh, hello, Glenn and Ray. Uh, it's my uh, pleasure to be able to speak with you. Thank you. Uh, I got a little concern about the Phillies going into the season, especially with the moves they've made which are uh, very good moves offensively, but uh, I'm afraid they they have a proclivity to make errors of both commission and omission on balls that are going to be put in play by the opposition. And uh, the games are going to be high-scoring, so you better prepare if you go to the game to spend some extra time because uh, the games are going to be exciting right to the last out. <laughs> They're going to be long, that's for sure. Um, no, uh, we talked about this yesterday with, um, a, a lot about the team that they're building now. There's no question, especially with DH coming in, they got a they got a they got a roster full of DHs, and um, they're gonna it's gonna be a potent lineup, and it's not gonna be fun to pitch to them. They're gonna score a lot of runs, but I, you know, Don, I share your concern about defense. I mean, they were a bad defensive team last year, and to me, they haven't done anything to get better. And one other thing about the DH. Uh, the way the team is constructed, 162 games isn't enough for the. Uh, they, they need more games to to put more <laughs> of these players on in the defense uh, DH position. To yes. be honest with you. Yes, and thanks, Ray. You can't say that the Phillies have not prepared for the DH. No, they, they got that part down. They got like six guys that are basically they DHs. Absolutely, they certainly do. Uh, the only problem is you're going to have to, five of them are going to have to wear gloves and go out in the field this year. Well, you know what? We're going to talk to Todd Zalecki about that coming up. Maybe he views it differently. Maybe he sees some gold glovers out there that we're missing. Right? I hope so. 215-592-9494. Yep, Todd's coming up. Ray and Glenn, 94 WIP. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.